This is your Drive Time News Blast, 30 minutes jam-packed with news of the day from the perspectives of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. And we continue to bring you as close to the real story on Ukraine as is possible in this fake news environment, or at least kabuki theater, as Tweep Dean likes to say. Today, all over the news was Nancy Pelosi says that the territory we're wading into here with the whistleblower slash Ukraine scandal about which she instituted an impeachment investigation, whatever that is, she said it's a cover-up of a cover-up, which is exactly what Watergate was. So I actually didn't say it that way yesterday, but we were talking about Nixon never did it. Never did anything, but he found out about it and didn't tell and then tried to cover up the fact that he knew about it. So if you take the Washington, the Watergate parallels and tease them out, there are actually quite a few. I'm not going to go through all of them. You can just see them pop up. But where are the actual tapes? They're going to there's going to be a controversy of getting the actual audio. Because even today in the newspaper, it said this cover-up was that immediately the administration suppressed the word-for-word transcript that was produced by the Situation Room. So I noticed that yesterday it was like voice-to-text, and it was always called a rough transcript. So what what was the real transcript? Because there's ambiguity here. There's different interpretations. So that they're going to want the tapes. If the Watergate tapes, that's going to be part of it. I knew that also, yeah, they were yeah. doing Nixon comparisons because that's when Carl Bernstein comes out of the Oh, woodworks. yes. He was on the homepage of CNN today yeah. saying what? What was his take on it? I didn't see that, but I'm sure his take was, this president has done more to oppress the, the free press than any president in the history of the world. Was Bernstein the one, or was it Woodward, who had been like a naval I think that's Woodward. liaison was it Woodward yeah. yeah it was just like Bannon like they were they were deep into the actual scandal that they were covering yeah I so, want to point out yeah that the Ukrainians they've kind of messed up this whole timeline said they didn't even know about any aid being withheld or not given until like a month later so if you didn't know that there was a quid pro quo yeah, that's a good point. And like, that probably goes to, oh, that's going to come up now that you mention it, because if you think about the transcript, the president says we're about ready for those javelins. And like I was saying, the way aid works is you don't even ever like write them a check. You extend them weapons on credit. So. They get javelin, javelins weaponry. So Obama and Biden didn't give Ukraine weaponry, although Biden claims he wanted that. Now, Trump gives more aid to Ukraine than Obama and Biden did because he gives it to them in the form of weapons, which is kind of upping the ante. And it's these javelin, I guess they're missiles. And that's what he was saying. I'm almost ready to buy those javelin missiles, but we were buying them for him. So he wouldn't have expected a check. He just wants... You know what I mean? Like, okay, so, yeah, I was about to ask. Didn't he say he wanted to buy them as opposed to us giving them? 
Yeah, but the way it works is you say, oh, here's a hundred million or here's a billion, here's $319 million. We want you to buy $319 million worth of javelins. That's how it works with Egypt. They never get the money. They yeah. get the weapons. And they use the weapons against their own people. Like in Egypt, the military is internal and external. Like we can't do that. I think it's posi comitatus, but they can do it. And so you really are giving weapons in Egypt to a, an oppressive regime that uses them against their own people. But with Ukraine, it's I assume it's the same way because I think that's how it always works. That if they're if you're giving them weapons you don't ever just write them a check you extend them you know a letter of credit and they turn around and hand it to lockheed martin yeah or whoever makes the javelin so they wouldn't know but that's probably an interesting element of that very ambiguous transcript right like every word matters yeah so i also wonder going down the road of watergate a lot of people don't know this but i think it was john dean white house counsel who absolutely set up Nixon on tape, like saying, we got to cover this thing up, don't you think? Let me give this guy a million bucks. And Nixon's like, oh, okay. If that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. And and then Dean immediately, I mean, I think he was already working with, with the people who were setting Nixon up at that point. So you got to, I wonder if they'll bring in the element, is this a whistleblower or is this a leaker? I mean, obviously that's what they're saying because they're saying it's a partisan so that, I think, that just based on Watergate parallels alone, that, I think, will develop as an important part of the story. To that note, hashtag cancel the New York Times was trending last night and still a little bit today because it was the New York Times who revealed that the whistleblower, obviously their source was anonymous, so take it as you will, <laughs> is a CIA agent, a CIA, trained CIA analyst. We mentioned this yesterday. But this sparked outrage in the media as the media was claiming that it was terrible the New York Times to do this because it destroys all the whistleblower protections despite the fact that the whistleblower went through all the regular channels. And now they know they're not going to have protection anyway thanks to the New York Times. That definitely plays into this whole uh, scrutiny of the whistleblower process that will only serve to reinforce either – Faith in the system or faith in at least some of the people inside the system. And, uh, and there were a few more things on this subject, but I do want to I want to go back to that thing about the journalists when we talk about another story unrelated that you had brought to our attention and, believe it or not, has unfolded further, the guy with the beer sign. So, but a couple of other things with the Ukraine thing. One is, now, if this were to play out, just like Watergate, what you would have is you'd start the impeachment investigation, the road to impeachment. Trump would win by a landslide. And then, because a bunch of other stuff would come out not directly related to it, he would resign. And then you'd put Pence in place. Although in the case of Nixon, they had already on to People don't realize this. Spiro Agnew was not involved in Watergate at all. He was the elected vice president under Nixon, and they coerced him, blackmailed him, even unjustifiably. His book was called Go Quietly or Else, into resigning. He was replaced by Gerald Ford, who was never elected to the position of president or vice president and became the only unelected president I think we've ever had. So I assume they'll just slot Pence in there. I don't think there's any 
I think Pence is there to be that guy. But, I mean, if they really wanted to get... If you see Pence coming under criticism, then I'm really going to raise an eyebrow. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't... I mean, they're going to do these impeachment proceedings eventually. Right now, they're still doing the inquiries and they're raising money. Every email I get continuing to ask for money, save democracy. I, I think it's set, setting up the outrage for mobilization after Trump wins, and then you can really destabilize right. the country. And then I think, because I think he plays his part, he can resign, and that will – then I bet like his own people will think that he's yellow. You know, he's just yellow, and then um, yellow, you know, like an yeah, old-timey yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Back so, to the future. Then, back to the future? Yeah. That's what Flea says to Marty McFly. He says, you yella, and Marty McFly can't oh, take you when somebody nice. calls him yella. Nice. Okay, I didn't remember that. So, yeah, so if they think he's yellow, and then he, that could seal his fate as the villain icon, because then his own cult of personality would collapse. So I'm just saying that I, I, who knows what's going to happen, but I, I see there, I feel like there's a long-term psyop in the works here. Yeah, there definitely <laughs> is. It's all depends on what that goal is that they want to uh, achieve with. That's why it's hard to kind of pinpoint. Well, and I think they move around. So I don't think there's a straight line with these psyops. I think they have their like different, shoots and tendrils and they, whatever takes hold or flourishes they go with that actually if you read the psychological operations handbooks they tell you like you you can float a few things you have to like continually get, collect feedback assess and mm. either double down or change gears or layer something in rewrite the story even but there were a few other things uh, attorney general Barr has gone rogue so you're gonna have him implicated Giuliani, they haven't written Logan Act yet. I haven't seen it in any of the big papers, but I think that's coming. The Giuliani part is the one thing that's blatantly criminal looking, or at least extra legal. But there was a wrinkle that I had not heard and it was not being is not yet being emphasized, but I feel like it'll be used in one of these volleys. Did you hear that in 2016 the Obama Biden White House pressured the U.S. Ukrainian ambassador to get dirt on Manafort and that that's what got Manafort to resign. Is that familiar to you? I knew they were trying to get dirt on him. I didn't realize that specifically what is what got him to resign. I, I, don't, I don't know. That's the article I read, and I just feel like that's funny because – it's just more parallelism. It's more like yeah. Trump didn't do it. Yeah. Those guys did it. So it's turning their scandal into a Trump scandal or vice versa. It's just the, it's just so many parallels. And what they used to say, they used to say that it was okay because people would make the parallels between communicating with Russia and communicating with Ukraine. And the justification in the media was that communicating with Russia is communicating with an adversary. While Ukraine is one of our allies, so it's okay to get opposition research from but, Ukraine, but not but now. Yeah, it's Manafort, so it's considered election interference because he was Trump's campaign manager at the time. Just yeah. to say, it's just funny. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So, but there were two more obscure facts from the Ukraine stuff that I noticed. One was they've mentioned this a few times. As a result of all this back and forth, Trump told Pence not to go to. It was it Zelensky's inauguration or some meaningful 
ritual over there. And instead, Rick Perry went. But Rick Perry is the Secretary of Energy. I mean, it just so gives the lie to what we are doing over there, why why that place is important to us. Yeah. And actually, tomorrow, we have a WSB show tomorrow. For anybody who wants to listen to it, it's 3 to 6 live. You can call in. It's a little bit of different atmosphere on WSB in Atlanta, or you can listen to it online. And I'm going to play some, we're going to play some clips of, of, Victoria Newland reporting back to Chevron about the progress they're making, even uh, even quoting Biden. I wonder if I asked you to pull that clip. There's the one where she's just like, oh, like Joe Biden told him, get on board or we're going to steamroll you. But she didn't say it like that because she's very diplomatic. So I'm not sure that clip will really come through. But it's clear that the energy companies are the ones who we're doing this for, or or we were doing it for. And and there's one more, what to watch out for, I guess. We've talked about the Magnitsky-Browder thing. So Magnitsky and Browder were accused of, of corruption and tax fraud in Russia. And Putin said, hey, you've, we want to talk to Browder. He said that like in a press conference next to Trump. He didn't mention him by name or made it clear who he was talking about. I'm not sure he said his name. Magnitsky was his accountant who was in on these frauds by one accounting, but Magnitsky is often referred to as a lawyer working with Browder to expose Russian corruption and money laundering. So it depends on, and that's where you get the Magnitsky Act, that Magnitsky was killed in prison in Russia, but other stories are he's just diabetic and died, he was in ill health. So the there one of the one of the stories that surrounds that Browder Mag, Magnitsky thing is money that was supposedly laundered through Estonia. A couple of months ago, I remember that resurfacing in the news that an Estonian bank was under pressure for having participated in this money laundering, Russian money laundering. Well, Yesterday, I noticed that the bank, I think it was the CEO of the bank, Ivar Rehi or something like that, I can't pronounce his name, was was found dead, and they said it was a suicide. So this guy who's, who was not a suspect, as far as we know, he just suicided. I was like, okay, I accept that. Maybe he really was in on it, and he didn't want to get in trouble. But today, as I, I don't know why I even thought to like just dig into the story a little bit, ends up the police are apologizing because he was missing for two days and they did finally find him. No evidence of foul play, no violence. He was in his own backyard. So he was in his own backyard. They've been looking for him for two days and they didn't find him. And they said the reason is the family didn't want them invading their property. So they said, okay. Either they did look and the body wasn't there and then it just popped up. Or why would the family tell you not to look on the property and you just take their word for it? I mean, this is a 50-something-year-old man they're saying is missing who turns up dead and the cops are like, we shouldn't have taken your word for it. We're super sorry He's apologizing to the family. So <laughs> one of those two parties is suspect. 
Yeah, I'd say so. You know, either the family was giving them the runaround or they're covering up the fact that they didn't, they're saying they didn't look when clearly they must have. I don't know, but you'll never hear about that story again. But it happened just now, you know, so I feel like there's information there that is being covered up. Yeah, uh, I would say so. It's going to end right there. But if you ever hear of this story, flag it. Let me know if it ever comes to anything, which I doubt it will. So that's uh, that's the latest on Ukraine. That's all I got there. But oh, but the beer guy. So the beer guy. I have some stuff on that spy. uh, Oh, go for it. Yeah. Well, Trump calls a spy. The The CIA agent? The whistleblower that the CIA, alleged CIA agent. The New York Times and the AP say that they released the name, their defense, after everybody was mad, say they released not the name but that he was a CIA analyst because they wanted to boost the credibility of him because his his credibility had come into question because everything in that complaint was hearsay. None of it was firsthand knowledge. He'd gotten it all from other people. He didn't hear the phone call. Um, I'm assuming it's a he. I think that they confirmed that. Maybe it's not. But so the reasoning is that they wanted to show that this person was credible in the eyes of lawmakers so that lawmakers would use the information and the names that this person listed in the complaint in their impeachment inquiry. So use hearsay because hearsay (laughs) comes from a CIA agent, and the impeachment inquiry is going to be largely based on this because there's really nothing to base it on in the actual transcript. So this is why the the idea of it being a spy, which Trump called it, I think there's some credibility to that because, I mean, I want to know if the person used his or her actual name. Did they have an alias name that they used? Because that would – it would it would seem like this person was gathering intelligence on a domestic American citizen that's now hearsay that's going to be used as for an impeachment inquiry. I know you said Fox News explained why this person would be allowed to. It said that he was a or that this person was a, was in charge of or focused on the region of Ukraine and Russia, and it's common practice to share intelligence with them so they know what's going on. I'm curious about that. I want to I want to dive deeper into that because my first thought was that it was just like they did in the Russia thing. We talked about how they basically label them Russians, Russian propaganda. Then you can target them with your CIA intelligence gathering, and it makes me think that there's some of that going on there. The president's a Russian. We can send a CIA agent inside the White House to gather intelligence from someone that's been classified. That's what I'm curious about. I expect that narrative to come out is what I expect. That. Trump doesn't get protections because he's considered a Russian spy? That the CIA was investigating him as oh, though he were him a Russian a spy. double agent. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. And that's why they were able to send a CIA agent could inside make that argument. the White House. And now we have the Ukraine thing. So I don't know. That, that's the aspect of the story I'm interested in. And that spy's name will get released because it has to get released so they can say the whistleblower protections aren't working anymore. And they can say the president's yeah. threatening him. So, yeah. Or her. Or her, yeah. Or G. Or G, that's true. That would be a really interesting turn on this story. Okay, so the beer guy. Yeah. Talking about the Did guy. Did you see that? He, do you know the, just how big it got? I know the guy raised, this is the guy who held the sign out, need uh, money for beer outside of college. Need money day. for Bush. Oh, Bush Bush Light beer. or something. Yes. Okay. So, the whole story now That's interesting. is a little screwy. Yeah. Well, tell me about it. 
I think it's his sign said, need to replenish my bush light stock. Then it got big. You brought it to our attention. He said it's 600 bucks. He already said he was going to give it to charity. It got up to a million. Then Bush said they would match it. So then it got up to two million. Wow. Then, and he's like the nicest guy in the world. He's the greatest guy ever. He was having an interview with uh, the local newspaper. The guy said to him, oh, look, in my normal just social media background check, I found two years, seven years ago. Okay, so I have 20,000 tweets. <laughs> so if anyone was just like doing a cursory uh, look at my tweets, I granted I tweet a lot, but I don't know how many. This guy was an early mover because he was tweeting in 2011. He was 16 at the time, I believe. Yeah, but I mean, because I rem- I was tweeting in 2011, and it was not that robust. As a matter of fact, I tweeted with like a few people who have tens of thousands of uh, followers now who would never communicate with me directly, but we would like tweet at each other in the middle of the night because we're the only people there. Yeah, and this guy. Uh, so he was, I guess, around back then, and the the reporter said he found two racist tweets. One was a joke, and I don't know, something else was just off. Stuff, I, I just find it hard to believe that a young guy like that would say something publicly that was as offensive as they're saying it was, but the tweets are gone. And the reporter brought it to his attention. He explained it. I think he outed himself by saying, hey, I took those tweets down. I just want to thank this guy for telling me about it. And then the reporter did report on it. He said they he made the choice to put it at the end of the article because it wasn't that germane, but it was information and all that. So then the reporter got fired. And they're saying this is bringing up the ethical question of when does a reporter suppress information that doesn't have the right kind of moral impact? And I will tell you, when I was growing up, my mother was just just disgusted when reporters would say things that were not important to the story. Like, oh, and as you all know, she has an alcohol problem. She's like, why are you, what are you say, telling us that his wife forever has an alcohol problem? It's not germane to the story at all. And you're trash. And she and I was like, but he's a reporter. He's got to tell. My mother's like, you don't have to. There's no it's not relevant. Like a real dignified reporter doesn't have to do that. Now, those days are over so that for them to say, when do you tell? When do you suppress? It's a it's a totally different moral standard they want to bring to bear now. Yeah, it sounds like it was kind of a nice, wonderful story. This this kitty ended up donating two million dollars to the Children's Hospital and finally, when he was 16 years old, he tweeted the most racist things you've ever heard in your life. That's it for today. It's just t- tacking that on to the bottom of the story. There's just no reason to do it. But I just am not buying this. I'm not buying it. I just, he's a young guy. I I, I, buy, I believe that he tweeted really? it. Really? The same thing happened to a, a Braves pitcher. It's happened to, people get on these social media platforms okay. when they're kids yeah. and they start oh, talking Oh, well, stuff. actually, we didn't see the tweets. Yeah, he deleted. So I, I believe that you might do something more, more borderline offensive or offensive, but you're insensitive to it when you're young. And it was because right now I think people are hyper sensitive about everything. Oh, and it goes to your thing of it's all in how you handle it. He's abjectly apologetic. 
Yeah. He took it down. He said he was sorry. He took full responsibility, just like the college scandal guys. Yeah, Although that's true. I want to follow up on one of those just real quick. Sorry for my page turning, but I have to go back to two days ago. There was a college scandal. Two more dads were sentenced to four months in prison this time. It's escalating. And they all have to say, I'm, I'm, I am a piece of crap. I'm sorry. But this guy slips in. Rick Singer worked me over and got me to do and believe things I am ashamed of and deeply regret. And I'm, I want to look at what, how much time Rick Singer's doing because these guys were his victims. Yeah. And half the parents aren't pleading. And he's the one that added them with, a face, with an FBI operation, right? Rick Singer was the cooperating yeah. witness. Yeah. yeah. Which is just – don't get me started. Oh, which reminds me, making the victim the perp. Did you see the latest in Epstein I did recording? not. The, oh, there was a Virginia Roberts, the NBC interview. I didn't get through the whole thing. There were a bunch of chicks there, and it was all cut up. So I didn't, I didn't get to it yet, but I don't think it was going to blow my mind. But I saw an article that there are ethical dilemmas over whether to pursue Epstein's co-conspirators since they were also victims. Yeah. So the sex workers are the co-conspirators, not Dershowitz, not Clinton, not the guys who are not the not Marvin Minsky, not the 70 year old guys having sex with the 17 year olds. The ones they're focusing on are the chicks who are like no longer 17 or maybe were recruited when they were 18. Those are the co-conspirators that they're having ethical dilemmas about. Yeah, but they don't want to name any of the other names in there. Right. I mean, they have flight logs. Yeah. They have the the little black book, and they're they're trying to. I mean, it has it's so you not hashtag you not. <laughs> <laughs> so Facebook, this goes to something that you were talking about recently. Facebook has they released their virtual spaces today, I believe, where it's described as kind of. It's a new social experience where you can build your own world. You can create create your own avatar. You can find a picture of yourself and probably make yourself look like this amazing animated figure. And it's your world. It's like the movie Ready Player One, if you've seen that, or they describe it as a first-person Sims game. It's mm-hmm. called Facebook Horizon. You have to create responsibly, so you obviously have to create a, a world of equality and utopia. So it's not Grand Theft Auto? Not Grand Theft Auto. You can't. <laughs> Go bashing people with baseball bats. <laughs> but you can create an economy where men and women get paid equally, and every race and gender has, uh, you know. You can or you must. Sounds like you must. But it goes to what you were saying where you can create this world around you where none of it's real, but with this, I think it's an Oculus headset that you're going to use, you can feel like you're. In oh this my world. Gosh, can you imagine? No. I mean, just I just feel like I, I just gained ten pounds thinking about that. They've done <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I'm just turning into job of the hut, just thinking about just sitting there being like uh, Do you get to have sensual pleasures? I'm sure that that is going to be a feature that will eventually be added. As long as it's respectful and non binary. Exactly. <laughs> and you can bring other people into the world too, but I, I don't know if it's it's like multiplayer, kind of like Red Dead Redemption, uh, Grand Theft Auto, but also I believe it's you can just play with the simulations that you make. 
They've done studies. I wonder on this if you stuff. can simulate people you've brought in before. That's what I was wondering about. Can I, you use clones of your friends? I was wondering if you can make <laughs> clones Yikes. of people using other a people's famous pictures. People. Yeah. If you can make make them using your picture, I can. I'm sure you can do it using other people's pictures you, too. That would be so super creepy. Wrong. Yeah, I know. And these studies have shown that spending time in these virtual environments, these immersive environments, after a period of time in people's memory, they can't distinguish real from what happened in the virtual space totally believe that because i i get i've had dreams like that where i'm like did that really happen we could be in the facebook horizon right (sighs) now oh well we're in my dream so you created (laughs) forget that (laughs) i invented facebook horizons in my dream but i but back to the beer guy i didn't realize that this the story was related but speaking of the guy say just abjectly apologizing throwing himself on the mercy of the court of public opinion, I was really impressed by a statement that Placido Domingo said. So Placido Domingo is at the Met. He's one of the three tenors who was so famous, and he was recently the subject of what the Met calls, quote, continuing allegations, ongoing allegations. So not ongoing improprieties, ongoing allegations of stuff that happened so long ago that you really cannot defend yourself. That is what statutes of limitations are for. Because it's not possible for you to mount a defense if you can't even remember where you were or what happened and you can't find witnesses, people are dead, or who's going to remember. It's important, statutes of limitations. So people are coming out now, taking this guy down. He belongs at the Met. I'm sure he adds a lot of value, and he probably doesn't charge them much, if anything at all, and he adds value there. But he is stepping down. What is the Met? Oh, the Metropolitan Opera. Sorry, I'm from New York. Not that I have culture at all, but the um, the Metropolitan Opera is it, it, that all that stuff in New York, the cultural stuff. It's such high quality, and I had no access to it because it's insanely expensive. It's like I don't know, like the cheap seats are hundreds of dollars. But I went out with the super rich guy when I lived in New York to the point where I was in credit card debt up to my eyeballs just for like to buy dresses, not even fancy dresses, just like anything. I remember I made not I, basically my salary was enough to pay my rent in New York and everything else. I just lived on credit cards with my fingers crossed. And this guy was super fancy, but he thought it was like prostitution. If he would buy me a dress, I was like, dude, I can't, I don't, I can't dress for these things. Anyway, those are interesting times, but I would, I had a little bit of access to that stuff and it is just fantastic. So when after him, I was like, oh, I want to go to the opera. And I was like, oh, I thought I couldn't afford the $35 dress from the limited. I definitely can't afford the tickets to the opera. So I really never went again. I don't know if I've ever in my life said, oh, I think I'd like to go to the opera today. Because you've never been to it. I have been. Oh, you have. Yes, I have. You didn't, maybe it wasn't good quality. I went with somebody else and it was, it was interesting. I enjoyed it. I, I I like to know the story first. Yeah. I didn't know the story. I liked the music and, but I was more interested in watching the people watch the opera than I was watching the opera. Or maybe, maybe it's an acquired taste. I don't know. But like, I, I find, I have found that when it's super, super high quality, it's like music. I, I know a young gal, and she's like, I can't go to a concert if I don't already like the songs. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah. you know, if it's a really good concert, like I went to Wilco. I didn't know the songs, but it was great. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is great. Like, I'm enjoying this just because the music is so good. 
So the Met has that. And although I was raised to think that like contributing to the arts when people were starving was really a false kind of charity. It was like ego, an ego driven thing to name a wing after yourself and all that. But, but I do feel like that part, it would be nice. I mean, I, I think that there's something ennobling about art. If you have enough to eat or can afford the dress, it is nice to like have access to that next level of, of human, you know, capacity. And they do a lot of charitable things. Is all I'm saying people give a lot of money. It tends to be like in New York, they'll, they'll give it to the poor kids. They'll like have days where the poor kids just flood in there. But like you take like a l- lower middle class suburban kid like me and you get nothing, you know, like nothing, which is fine. It's fine. I, I but anyway, so I just, I feel like he's probably doing good and they took him out, but his statement I thought was excellent It said, while I strongly dispute recent allegations made about me, I am, and this is the important part, I am concerned about a climate in which people are condemned without due process. Upon reflection, however, I believe that my appearance in this production of Macbeth, which is a great one, would distract from the hard work of my colleagues, both on stage and behind the scenes. So here's the thing, though. Yes, it would distract. That was right. What could he do? It's too late because those allegations were irresponsibly and unfairly peddled by the media. So that so that in itself is defamatory. It's intentional. I don't know how defamation works. I think I think it's an affirmative thing. I, I think maybe you have to prove that it's not true and that it harms you. Clearly, it has harmed him. I don't know if he can prove that it's not true. I think there has to be intent also, intent to harm. That's intentional infliction of emotional distress. I do not think, I don't think defamation requires intent. I think it just has to be untrue and damaging. You might be right. I thought it required intent, but maybe you're right. I don't know about that. And and the thing about what I absolutely would like the answer to is if I think you, I think you might have to prove that it's true. Yes. Truth is, yeah, he just proved it's true. It's an absolute defense. Truth is an absolute Okay, defense. so truth is defense, but for this guy to win defamation against you, he probably has to prove that it's not true. So for Placido Domingo to sue the accuser, he'd have to be able to prove that he was innocent, which is basically impossible for him to do. To, pr- to prove defamation, the plaintiff must show a false statement purporting to be a fact, publication, or communication. Hold on, hold on. The plaintiff, Placido Domingo, must prove that it's false? It must prove a false statement purporting to be fact, a publication. These are the four things you have to show. Publication okay. or communication yep. of that statement yep. to a third person. Okay. Fault amounting to at least negligence. Yep. And for damages or some harm caused to the person or entity. Okay, so negligence, not intent. intent, Negligence. Okay, very good. And uh, and he, it's up to the plaintiff to prove that it's false. It sounds like Mm -hmm. excellent. That was very excellent uh, explanation. So this is defamation, probably. But how is he going to prove that it's false? He's not, and the damage has been done because all the damage is the distraction. And that's what we get in today's. Fake news media age. Breaking rumors is what it should be called, not breaking news. <laughs> Excellent. Because that's all that's it a ever good one. is. 
You can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We'll talk to you all tomorrow or next week. Monday. Monday.